Welcome to another episode of the Badass Women of Central Park, where every time we bring you an awesome journey of a badass woman in our neighborhood. My name is Dan Clark, and it is my honor to host this podcast and get to learn from so many of you each time. It is my goal for you to see yourself as the badass you truly are. This episode's badass, Jen Mathis. Jen owns Allstate, the Mathis agency, located in the heart of Central Park with her husband Rob. She attended Ohio University and upon graduation moved to New York City to begin her career in the insurance industry. After almost a decade climbing the corporate ladder in New York City, she left the city in her career and moved to Pittsburgh. In 2013, Jen moved to Denver and her husband and her started their family. She has lived in Central Park ever since and loves the community. Once her children began attending school, she was eager to volunteer in their schools and local organizations. While enjoying getting to know other parents and people in the community, she craved work again and ended up opening an insurance agency in the neighborhood in 2017. She currently lives in the North End with her husband, two sons, a dog, and a turtle. This podcast is brought to you by Mama Bird Interviews and the Mama Bird Project where we empower and open doors for young black, Latina, and indigenous women from Montbello by paying them well to have recorded conversations with your loved ones. Currently, all our interviews are only $100, and we're featuring graduation interviews, wedding and engagement interviews, and interviews of your elders. All the money goes directly to the women, and your family will have a keepsake that will one day be invaluable. Good morning, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you are a person that I actually do know. We met at the Central Park Business Association, the CPBA. And from that, um, we actually, I reached out to you to have you do our insurance. Then we left to go move to Poland for the year. I really wanted someone local to do our insurance with our home and auto um, while we left. And you had great ideas about that and have been wonderful throughout the process. So I appreciate that. And I'm so happy to learn more about you because we know each other briefly, but we don't know each other that well. So I'm so excited to learn about you. And I don't even know where you're from or anything. So can you start with that? If you can kind of tell me where you grew up. Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up in Ohio, um, Toledo, Ohio. It's not a big city, but it's not a small town either. It's kind of right in the middle. Um, things to do, but uh, not a lot to do at the same time. So I love now where I grew up, but I always wanted to leave it growing up. <laughs> so um, that's where I'm from. Good, good place to be from. Yeah, my mom went to college in Ohio at Ohio State, and I know nothing about Ohio, except recently I learned they've got a beautiful, like, mountain region, the Hocking Hills or something like that. Yeah, There's a beautiful that's where I went to area. college, right next to Hocking Hills. It's, it's, a, it's, it's great, but I think you don't appreciate it until you leave it, because it always seems like there's more out there. Yeah, I bet. Um, and then take us there then. So where did you go to college, and what did you go to college for? So I went to um, Ohio University, which is in Athens, Ohio. It's gorgeous, brick buildings, kind of old. Um, it's probably where you go if you don't go to Ohio State. And I didn't want to go to Ohio State because I didn't want um, a big city and college at the same time. I wanted um, a college that was like just college. When you're there, that's the town you're in. That's all you do. And that's how... Ohio University is when you get there, there's nothing else around there. So you are living there, going out there, studying there, everything is in that community. Um, and I loved it. And it was also the farthest in-state college I could go to. And that was my initial draw. So it was four hours away. And that was as far as I could get uh, from, from Toledo, from where I'm from. So I felt like I had gone far away, but I was still in Ohio and in a small community that was really great. Um, and I studied finance. Um, so my favorite movie growing up was um, Secret of My Success with uh, Michael J. Fox. And he's in New York. And so I always wanted to live in New York. And I always wanted to be in a big city. And he was in, you know, I don't know, finance sounded like what you needed to do to go do that to me. So that's why my major was finance. I didn't really have any specific interest other than I thought business would get me to New York. Is it, it sounds to me when you're explaining these things to me that you were 
very kind of mature and knowing what you wanted at that age. Is that accurate? Is this reflective where you, you knew you wanted to go to a college that was in state, but far away, you knew you wanted to do these things. Have you always been that way where you've kind of had a path for yourself? Yes. And um, also I think I've been very lucky um, because they kind of work out. Like I only applied to Ohio university. And if I wouldn't have gotten in, I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't, I did, it wasn't even in my head that like, it wouldn't happen. Like, that's just where I wanted to go. And I had my reasons and then I got in and, um, you know, moving in different jobs and kind of like the same thing. Um, so I've always, yeah, I like think about what I want to do. And then I really don't give myself any other choices. It's like, this is what I'm going to do. And then it, it has to work out. <laughs> it has to work out. So and you learn and you learn from everyone. So then when you graduated from college, what was your first move after that? So when I was in college studying finance, I did um, have a professor who he he did uh, do life insurance and financial planning in the community. And then he was a professor like at night. And I really enjoyed learning from him. And I thought um, learning from someone who was already, who wasn't just a professor or a teacher, they were actually working in the field that they were telling you about, I thought was really interesting. So I got some designations or not the full designation, but I got some classes towards designations in um, financial services while I was in school. And um, I really wanted to move to New York um, because of that movie. And I really saw myself there. Um, but I applied for an internship and I didn't get the one in New York. I got an internship with the company's location in back in my hometown in Toledo. So I worked there for a summer. And then by doing that, they hired me um, at an office in New York. So I actually left college a quarter early and um, moved out to New York because uh, I just wanted to be there so badly. I could have done like an extra quarter of um just hanging out. And, and I, you know, in retrospect, I probably, that would have been fun, but I really wanted to go. So I left and I went to New York um, to start uh, with a company called New York Life. I did life insurance um, and I was in the greater New York office, which was in Manhattan. Uh, my office was in Grand Central Station. So if you walked into Grand Central Station, then you would go into the Gray Bar building. That's on like the 15th floor. And it was in the middle of everything. It was so busy. And I just, I was obsessed. I loved it. It was super fun. I lived like in the Upper East Side and, you know, like a couple train stops away and it was really amazing. And so that's where I started my career right after college. I moved out there with like a two week interlude of like packing and moving and getting driven out there and dropped off. Did you know anybody? You're moving to New York. It was your dream, but you're still, that's a big city. You were really in your early twenties. Did you, did you have any connections there? Um, I lived with, um, the person I was dating, they had gone out there like six months before me to do a internship at a hospital. Um, that ultimately did not work out, but that was, um, I didn't have to live alone so I could like split rent. And that's how I initially, um, got to go out there, uh, right away. And then, um, after living there a couple of months, my college roommate moved out there too. She lived in Brooklyn, but I had like a, a friend. Um, and then where I worked was also very young. So I immediately became friends with uh, people I worked with and, and hung out after work or got to do some fun things on weekends. Um, but I didn't know anyone in that field or at work or anything. Like initially it was just kind of a, I don't know, just go out there and see what I could do, who I could meet. And with the right attitude, it sounds like it was amazing. Um, tell me a little bit about the world of selling life insurance in your early 20s in this big city. Is it, um, must be difficult, I would imagine, especially at a young age. I'm sure they train you up, but how was that when you first got into this? <laughs> it was, I like PTSD. It was very hard. Um, so when I moved out there, that's that's the thing that's kind of, I don't know really, it's like, I can't even tell you how it all worked out because when you go into financial services or uh, life insurance, I mean, New York life, the focus was life insurance. That's what I was licensed to do immediately. And that's what you're trained to sell. And one of the things they do is, you know, who do you know? 
well, everyone I knew was in Ohio and I can't, it's by state. So you, I, you know, I'd have to get licensed. I'd have to go back and talk to people in Ohio and I didn't want to work in Ohio. So I didn't know anyone in New York. Um, so that was a hard start. They really took me on. I don't even know why I was a, probably like on paper. I was a terrible hire. I didn't have any connections. I didn't know anyone, but I just wanted to be there so badly. I think they just saw that and they were like, sure, well, let's see if this works out. Um, so I, I knew, you know, the person I lived with, um, they had coworkers and then that was really all I had. Um, I got some, I didn't really get any leads, but like if, if something kind of came up and the management liked me, they could recommend me for something, but that was kind of few and far between. Um, the main thing they, that we did was they called it, um, we called it team prospecting, then they called it street nominating. And we would go out in small groups, like two or three agents, we're all in our twenties. And we would go out on the streets of New York city and just approach people. And the only other option was to call from like a phone book. So I like people and I didn't mind talking to people and I wanted to meet people anyway. So anyways, that's what I did. I had to go out on the street and just we had these little cards that you could fill out and I would just go up to anyone and everyone. And that's how I initially started. It sounds very scary thinking back to it, but I really liked it. It does sound scary. And I think that life insurance is obviously something that everyone knows they need to have and should have, but it's also hard to look at mortality and very difficult, oh. I'm sure, to sell. Um, do you remember your first sale? Well, my first sale was to myself. <laughs> very first and then my second um actually I do it was a lady that I was actually shopping because I needed some new like work clothes and she was the salesperson helping me and we, she you know just naturally you just and that's I think what's so great about sales like you just naturally start talking I didn't ever approach someone like do you want to buy this from me I would just talk to them and we were talking about why I was buying what I was buying and where I was working and what I was doing and that generated a conversation that became interesting to her. She was like, oh, I just had a daughter. You know, I should really think about this. And I was like, oh, if you ever want to chat about it and speak. And I ended up going over to her apartment and um, working with her. We did insurance for her and her, um, I think she lived with her mom too. Um, so she was my first client. And then she was so fantastic that she was like, oh, everyone should be doing this. I'm going to tell all my friends. And so I got, um, you know, a handful of clients just through her referring me to people that she knew because she was really proud and excited of what she had done in planning for her daughter's future and her family. Um, and that's really how it kind of took off from there. But she was my, um, my first client. I can't, I can't think of her name, but I can see her. Like I can visualize her. <laughs> That's, that's wonderful. And yeah, I think that's so true. You, you do a good job for someone or you have a service that's really powerful and then it just kind of snowballs from there. Mm -hmm. um, did you come into this with, a, it sounded like you came into this from confidence level as far as you knew this was where you're going to be. As far as the sales part, how were you doing with confidence seeing yourself in this big city? Was that wavering up and down or were you always kind of um, really confident at that point? No, I, I was never super confident with sales. Um, I like sales. And I, my manager, he would tell me, he was like, if you can get in front of someone, you can, you can sell. Like you have a good, I just um, had a good way of like talking with people, not being a pressure salesperson. I wasn't like a sleazy sale. Like, you know, just all the stereotypes you hear about sales. Like it was more of a conversation. If it's not for you, that's fine. Like it's just an education and, a, and, a, and talking about what we can do. Um, and a lot of people, I think just bought because of, you know, you buy because of the person, like they liked talking with me. They liked working with me. They could have gone to another company or with a different person. Um, but we really connected. Um, but that said, it's very up and down. I had months where I didn't make any money. I made no, I mean, it was all commission. So I'd have a really great month. And then I'd have a month where it's like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. I don't know how I'm going to go to the grocery store. This is really scary. Um, and so I really enjoyed the um, training team in my office. There was like five of them and they took different classes and taught us different things. And you would meet with them on a weekly basis. And a couple of like, probably like five, six months into selling, I said to the one guy, I was like, um, 
I really like your job. I really like what you're doing and I want to do that. Like I'll do, I'll keep selling, but I would like to do what you do. And so I was like, if anything ever, I just like put it out there. I was like, if anything ever happens and we, you, you can hire a new person or someone leaves, I go, I go just, I would love to be in this training department. And um, I just kept saying that every time I met with them, I would just keep telling them how much I wanted to do what they were doing. And then um, like a year, I'd been there selling for about a year, year and a half. And they, the office was growing so much that the managing partner was allowed to bring on another person. And so I was a trainer in training for a year. So I, they trained me to become a trainer. And then I started teaching the salespeople like I had been. And that provided yeah, a salary and a consistent, consistent uh, money coming in. So it was a bit better for me. Um, but I did miss the, the sales aspect, but it was fun because then I was training people how to do sales. And I really liked the training part because I didn't like how I learned from someone in college who was doing what they were teaching us. Like I liked teaching people based on what I had done. Like I wasn't just coming in. I learned it from a book and then I'll tell you about it. Like I was giving real world experiences and stories and different things that had happened to me or how I had dealt with something and using that in the training and then working with them to make them great salespeople. So it was like, I was still getting that sales aspect of it. Um, but in a, a trainer role, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said for two, someone who's just so new in it too, and you had enough experience, but also you're new enough to remember where you're at so you can help relay those messages in a way that they are um, really impactful for the people learning. Although I had one time, I had a friend tell me that that was the way he thought he was learning to be a pilot. And that was the way he thought he could be a good <laughs> new pilot teaching other people. I'm like, no, I will not, I will not, that would not be something I'd mess with. Um, okay, so then you're now in the training. How did your career progress from there? Did you stay in New York for a long time? Yep, yeah, so I did training in New York um, with the same company, um, kind of moving up different levels in that department um, for not eight years, nine years. I was in New York for a total of like 10 years. So about eight or nine years was in the training department with the same company. Um, and then that's how I met my husband. He did training for the same company, but in a different office. So I was in Manhattan. He was in, I think, um, New Hampshire at the time when we first met, but then he was, anyways. So that's how we, we had like, um, annual meetings of everyone in that position. And so we had met a couple of times um, through those meetings. And then that's, I mean, that's why, that's why I left initially was, um, you know, to, to be with him and to move to where he lived. But it was also really great. You know, timing is everything too. We had met before and never connected. And I was very focused on work and growing my career and being in New York and doing all the things that you can do in New York and going out every night and seeing concerts and dinners. And that was just like all encompassing for so long. And then around like 28, 29 years old, I was like, I don't know if I see myself here in my thirties. I don't know if I see myself getting married or having a family in New York. And I don't know if I can sustain what I'm doing in my twenties forever. Like, I don't want to wake up one day and I'm you know, 45 and I'm alone and I'm still doing the same thing um, in the actual city. So I was kind of coming to an end of that road. Some things at work had changed with like um, management and bosses and stuff. And it kind of all was happening at the same time. So I was already on the track of like trying to look to leave and go do something else. And I wasn't really sure. Um, and then um, when Rob and I got together, he was still with the same company doing that job, but in Pittsburgh. And I visited, we, you know, visited a couple of times and um, went back and forth. And then he's like, you should live here. And I was like, yes. Okay, done. <laughs> and I moved in like a couple of weeks later. It was very quick. I was like, this is perfect. Yes, I will do this. So um, that time in my life, I just quit. I um put in my notice and I went to Pittsburgh and I told Rob, I said, I don't want to start all over again right now at a um, entry level position at a company where I have to start all over again. And I don't think I'm going to transition to the same level I was at in New York to a company in Pittsburgh right away. So I wanted to have a time of networking at all. So he went to work every day and I stayed home every day and I got to know Pittsburgh and I got to know the, the house and, and all of that. And I 
just took a lot of time off, which I really enjoyed and think I needed because New York was very, um, I mean, I worked 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every single day and 12 hour days, always like no change. That was just how much you worked. And then you didn't go home at seven. Like you, then you went to go get dinner and then you went to a happy hour. And then, so you were always on the go. And I feel like I really needed to like sleep and rest and just relax. And so I got to do that when I, when I uh, quit and then moved, which was good. <laughs> It sounds wonderful. That's something that um, this experience for me, kind of being away from Denver, is not the, the same level as New York, certainly, but just, yeah, a time to reflect and think is, is so incredibly valuable and very lucky to be able to have the, those opportunities. Um, explain to me Pittsburgh. I've never been to Pittsburgh. I think that, I don't know, I, I think most Americans outside of Pittsburgh don't think of Pittsburgh fondly, but I think that narrative's changing for sure. I know they've got that is academic institution. I know it can be very pretty. Tell me some good things about Pittsburgh. That's so true. Um, I think people think of Pittsburgh as like a steel city, dirty, smoggy, antiquated, dated. But I loved it. And it was actually a very good step down from New York. Um, Rob had a house that he had bought um, in uh, an area called the South Side, which is just lots of bars and restaurants. It's around colleges. It's a mile from downtown. So it was very like, um, you know, hip and trendy. It had a lot to do. So I thought it was fun to come from a city where you don't have a car, you walk everywhere, you take public transportation. People are always awake. There's always something to do. And I came to an area that mimicked that just on a much smaller scale. So that was really fun for me. It was a nice transition. Like I didn't have to drive everywhere. I wasn't out in a suburb where I didn't like have anything to do. We could after work or, you know, when he got home from work, we could go walk to dinner. We could walk to the movie theater. We could walk to um, different things to do, or we could drive or hop on uh, a bus or the, I don't what what did they call it? Uh, some sort of like a subway above ground subway system, but we could, you know, go downtown and they did have a lot of fun things like great sport teams and um, great plays came to, you know, they're a bigger city. So anything traveling through great concerts came great um, shows, food, nice hotels. So we could do lots of fun things um, in Pittsburgh. And I really, and it was very young and it was very um, tech savvy. Like a lot of tech companies were moving there and there was a lot going on. So I always felt like there was stuff to do and I never felt like I was in a place that wasn't um, interesting or fun or like the only thing is the weather but New York didn't have great weather but it's just like ugh, gray and cold and humid so the weather's not the best but there's tons of things to do and um, you know I got to be a tourist for a lot of my initial time there which was super fun um, check out they have like a Warhol museum I mean I could go on and on and I'm not even that like Pittsburgh wasn't my jam like forever I didn't want to be there forever, but when I was there, there was a lot to do. You really could go there and have a great time. Yeah, I know Carnegie Mellon's there, and they have a lot of self-driving car stuff that they're doing from there. Mm -hmm. um, oh, so many schools. Also, yeah, uh, other cities that I think that way that Americans do not like that I've been, and I've liked and never been to Pittsburgh, but Buffalo when I went there, which we went there in winter, I thought that was a lot better than the world gives it credit for in Tampa yeah. as, as well, or someplace that I enjoyed more than I thought I would go there. Pittsburgh's kind of in there too. One thing I heard about Pittsburgh, you can tell me this is true, is the Pittsburgh left. Is that a thing where when there's oh, a green yeah. light, you go first? Yes. And you have to know, I remember my sister came to visit me and she was like, everyone was honking at me to go, but I was waiting. And I was like, oh no, that's the Pittsburgh left. You have to take it. Like you have to take it immediately. And then you have to remember not to do that in other places. It is only in Pittsburgh and it's genius. They should do it everywhere. You should always let a couple cars go left on a green lights and then start going just so more people can get through. But um, that is a real thing. And yeah, you have to get used to it because people, <laughs> why are they stopping? Why are they waiting? But they're letting you what know. I, what I what I heard about it was the, it was a self-driving car they were talking about. They can't make it break the rules. So they can't do the Pittsburgh left. You know, they're training it there, which would actually be safer to make them do it because the people are used to it. It was very, an interesting yeah. concept. The, the, um, the thing oh, about Pittsburgh that's funny with cars and driving is, um, the way I was told it, and I'm sure there's like a grain of truth to it, but Pittsburgh was, a, it has a lot of hills and um, it has a lot of 
um, back in like the steel days, it had a lot of just like dirt roads and they didn't necessarily make sense. They were just like paths people took to get to where they had to go. And that when they like made the city, uh, you know, and like paved roads and really like built it up, they just paved the paths that existed. So when, um, before we had GPS on our phones and stuff, do you remember having like a TomTom or like a, the Garmin in the car? It wouldn't know what road you were on. And it and you it would be worse to use it because it would like tell you to turn and there wasn't a road there or it would think you were on a road that was parallel. It would get so confused because all the roads were just like crazy and they don't make sense and they still don't. And they lead you down some winding paths. Could be fun, could be dangerous. Yeah. Um, so then when did you get back into the workforce? How'd that work? So after I lived in um, Pittsburgh for a while, I wanted to work, um, but I kind of, I thought, you know what, let me do something totally different. Like I'm just gonna change gears and I'm gonna do something fun and learn something new. And we, um, I knew someone like through knowing a couple of people, there was a company there called Ariba. And I don't even know, if, I think it was been bought by now, but it was a tech company that like did, um, gosh, I don't even, like sourcing and supply chain, man, chain management, like um, on a tech program. So like you would sell the software and then you would um, make sure that the people that had the software were happy with it. And it was for, you know, manufacturing companies and things. So I got hired onto a team um, that did customer success. So like after someone had sold them the product, then my team was there to guide them and make sure that they liked the product. They were using it correctly. They wanted to renew it um, because, you know, it was so good for them to, to have it. And um, what's funny is I was terrible. Like I was awful at this job. I'm great with people. I just, I couldn't wrap my head around the product. I didn't really understand what it was doing. And I remember it like the boss I had was like, oh, I don't understand it either. You just have to, you know, you kind of make it up as you go and just listen and this and that. Now, and after a while, it was like, I, this isn't my personality. I can't just pretend I know what they're talking about. And I just want to, like with insurance, I understood it and that's why I could sell it. And that's why I could teach it because I knew what I was talking about. And so it didn't, it just didn't work for me and I couldn't wrap my head around what it was. And so I was only there for a short period of time. And then I um, moved over to PNC, which is a huge, huge bank. I mean, it's out in Denver now, but back then it wasn't. Um, but PNC was, is headquartered in Pittsburgh and they had an opening on a, um, they had like a financial services division. I didn't do sales, but I did like compliance within the financial regulations. Um, so I knew what I was doing and I liked it. I didn't have like outside contact with um, clients, but I did have like a big team and I worked with, you know, people and had meetings and um, things like that. And I really enjoy that. Um, it's a joke with my husband that I'd be really great with like the FBI, anything that's like investigative. If Like if you were doing something wrong, I was going to find it. And it was super fun to me. <laughs> and I really, really enjoyed it. And like, in theory, I probably should do something like that because it's like super fun. Um, but so I did that for a while while we were in Pittsburgh. Isn't that experience though, going into something that you didn't work well with, like that to me is such a valuable experience. I wish if we could, you know, blow up our systems and figure out what careers you can get into, which is incredibly difficult. And so often you're getting into certain careers through whatever it is, family connections or friends or whatever it is. And you, a lot of people just do that forever. I think it's so important to find out things that you don't like, or not even don't like, just specific parts of jobs that you don't like. I um, was in custom furniture before I got an education. And it was really good for me to have a career before education because education is so difficult that it was really neat to see there was bad things about other jobs and that you know, nothing is perfect in all these other things. And so that really um, lend a lot of um, awareness to kind of my current situation. Did you, do you still appreciate that? That knowing that when, when you were in a place that wasn't a right fit, that, that, um, that you were aware of that at the time? Yeah, I think it was a really good lesson um, to not, to know what I wasn't good at. And I, I think it was good that I tried to explore. Like, I think the idea of like, just doing something totally new it was so um, fun to think of like, oh, I'm going to just change careers. I'm going to just go learn something totally new and be like so great at it. And then it took, you know, I had the luxury of like living with someone, 
Um, so I wasn't like paycheck to paycheck. It wasn't, I mean, you know, I, I needed to earn money, but I didn't like failing at it was okay. Um, I didn't want to fail at it. And I think I should have realized sooner that I wasn't good at it. I didn't leave on my own. Like they let me go. <laughs> I know why. Um, and I agree with their decision um, because I just couldn't get it. I was not good at it. And um, it was a good lesson, but it was also very frustrating. It's hard to, to realize you're not good at something. I thought if, well, I'll just kind of fake it. I hate this job. I don't like coming here, but you don't want to get let go. Um, but it was a good lesson because it was like, you know what? I tried something that is not an industry for me, but technology I felt like was just booming and it sounded so amazing. And there were so many opportunities and people were really high up in these companies that were my age. And it sounded like this amazing place that I wanted to be involved in. And it was great to know that that was not for me. And I am not missing out by not being in that field. Um, and, you know, I met some good people and, and now I know, like, if I want to try something new, I don't need to be afraid to do that. But I also need to kind of research it, learn a little bit. Like, you know, there was more I could have done than just going in, like, guns blazing to something I didn't know. So um, it also kind of solidified, you know what, like, insurance didn't sound that glamorous. And I was like, oh, I want to, like, kind of leave the financial industry. And I was like, oh, no, that's my home. I need to go, I need to go back there. <laughs> And so then take us through your progression from your career after that. So you're doing the compliance thing, which you found you're really good. You're still at Pittsburgh at the time. What was next? So my husband was still um, working for the company that we worked for together um, that had, um, he was still working for them in Pittsburgh and they, so at this point we've gotten married. We, um, I'm pregnant and I and again, it's like the time in my life where I'm kind of Jones and like, I don't know if I want to have kids in Pittsburgh. Like we have to start looking at suburbs or we have to start looking like it just it's in your head of like, I don't know if I see myself here forever. And just luckily, randomly through someone I had worked with um, in New York, uh, a call came into Rob and they said they're creating this new position with the company and they need four people to do different like regions of the country. And there's a region opening up and you, so he interviewed and got it. And then they said, okay, you, you have to live in one of three cities, Chicago, Dallas, or Denver. Chicago's freezing. It's close to my house. So that was like close to my home. So that was, um, that sounded fun, but also like the weather, he'd be flying all the time. And it just, it, we were like, eh, Chicago's not for us. Then um, Dallas, we'd been to a ton for work meetings and Dallas, Texas, like just kind of wasn't my jam. My husband would have been fine there, but I was like, eh, I don't know. Let's go check out Denver. We both had never been to Denver. So we did a four day weekend and we just flew out here. And I, I kid you not, I feel like at the airport, I was like, I will live here. Like I'm, I'm, this is it. We went from the airport to downtown. We went out and got a, a bite to eat. And, and we were both like, I will live here. We hadn't even seen anything. We were like, this is it. We've got mountains. Everyone's nice. The weather's great. Like we're in. And so I had a friend from high school who lived out here. Um, I didn't know her that well, but she was a realtor. And I, um, I think I messaged her on Facebook and I was like, can you show us houses? And we spent two days driving around and we saw, we were like, let's see everything like downtown esque and then, you know, outside suburbs. And we didn't see anything we liked. And the second day she was like, you know what? this area is not in the price point you talked about and it's not what we were envisioning for you, but like, I want to take you there. So we came to Central Park and Rob will tell you, I was five months pregnant at this time. And Rob will tell you, it was like the Truman show. It was like, cue the strollers, cue the moms, like have a dog walking in the park. And I just, my eyes, like, I was like, I have to live here. Like, this is where I belong because I knew I was going to be leaving my job Rob was going to be working and I was now going to be a stay-at-home mom and I wanted to be in a place where I was super comfortable and really felt like I would, you know, feel safe and comfortable and excited about being with kids. Um, so we ended up moving here and then I did not work for, um, I mean, Josh was born and I probably didn't work until he was in kindergarten. So I was off for probably like five years of not working. And Rob was gone every day, every day. I was just home with um, kids. 
which I had wanted, which I, you know, was glad we were able to do. Um, and I loved it. I did book babies at the library. We went to the museum. We had Zoom memberships. Like we, I'm just someone who has to be like doing things. And if I couldn't be doing things with work, I was going to be doing them with my kids. And we had play dates and we were always on the go. And it'd be funny because Rob would come home for the weekend and I'd be like, oh my God, I have all this stuff planned. Like, let's go do this. And he's like, I just want to like sleep and rest and be in the house. And I was like, no, we have to do all this stuff. So that was an interesting dynamic of him never being here and me being here with the kids doing stuff all the time. Um, and it kind of got to the point where it was like, now we have two kids and you're never here. And like, we just need to make a change. And oh, by the way, I'm ready to work. Like, I need to be out of the house. I need to like talk to adults. So that's when um, our insurance agency here, Allstate started. Rob took the opportunity to like, he did kind of like the legwork. He looked into how can my job transition locally? And it really wasn't an option. So it was like, well, what could I do that's in the same vein? But I'd, you know, I'd love to be a business owner. I'd love to have flexibility. I'd love to um, still kind of have that management role and, you know, have employees and this and that. So um, the Allstate opportunity presented itself. He, we met with people for a, a long time to kind of put it all into, um, make it all happen. Um, and then I kind of tiptoed back into the workforce because I still wanted to, you know, take my kids to school. I picked them up from school. They had um, preschool, which it wasn't even like full day. So um, I helped kind of get things going, but he was like the full-time worker at the time. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think that um, some people just naturally are more happy in this stay-at-home environment too. My wife would not be happy staying at home. Um, <laughs> she wants that adult interaction. She would definitely be doing a million things and, and find friends. I think she'd still be fine with it, but I feel I could do it, but I'm not like you were where you're having everything planned and all of this stuff. However, all that stuff really makes it easier to parent because then your kids are busy doing all these things and you have that the schedule, I think, is something that I miss when I don't have it, too, which is interesting. Um, yeah. When you were going back, you kind of got to ease back in, but you're now working with your spouse. We talked briefly before, and I couldn't get you to say anything bad about your husband. So <laughs> working with work, that was a good transition, too. I love it. I love it. Everyone always asks. I, I think it is so fun. And you have to remember, like, for four to five years, like, I didn't see him a lot. Like, it was like a FaceTime and a phone call, like once a day. And, you know, he was out working and, you know, he still came home and he was home for the weekends, but like, he was really gone like Monday to Friday. So when he was in, when he started working and I was still kind of home most of the time, he like made breakfast. He would be, it, it was just like life-changing. It was so nice that there was another parent there that like, I could leave the room and know that like he's doing stuff with the kids. And so the home dynamic was really amazing. But then the working part was really cool too, because I got to, you know, owning the business, I can come and go. And I, cause I told Rob and, you know, that was one of our big discussions was like, you know, if I go back to the corporate world or, you know, even if you did like the clocking in the clocking out, like if I, I can't be there nine to five, what if my kid's sick? What if, you know, and school starts at this time and then you got to have after school care. And I really wanted that flexibility and it allowed, and, you know, it was like, a, it was like a pipe dream. Like I would really like to work somewhere where I can just come and go and no one's going to care. And, you know, I can, my family will come first. And um, so it really worked out where that was able to happen. And we started in um, 2017 and then those were the years where I was very like half day because my kids were still, um, my youngest was still in preschool, like a half day preschool. So I would, um, you know, just go in for a little bit or work from home a little bit or just focus on like the social media side or the marketing stuff. I wasn't doing a ton of sales. The sales would just be from like people I knew, um, but I would help just kind of establish things, um, do things for the office, for the online presence and um, pick different um sponsorship opportunities within the neighborhood and really used um, the things that I was going to be able to do with schools and um, people that I knew, like I joined the board of the children's center that my kids were going to at the time. And I got to meet people and just have like a purpose outside of home and work. Um, but it naturally like lends you to meeting people. 
Um, and some of those people down the line became clients. I didn't go in like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, represent my insurance agency and try to sell everyone. I just wanted to have adult relationships and having those again led to clients down the road and me building kind of my own part of the business um, that now I can, now I focus on like all day, every day. Um, but we still had a lot of fun being business owners where we could be like, hey, let's support this cause and let's sponsor it. And, and, you know, as a private, you know, family, we didn't, we didn't really have the means or way to do that. And now with a company like, oh, hey, let's, we sponsor that race. We sponsor that school. We donate um, to these auctions. And, you know, we like to try to give things and um, give back, meet people, and then just really support the community. Like I joke around that I don't ever leave Central Park. Like I don't <laughs> that often. I live in the North End. I go drop my kids off at Westerly. I go to our office on Central Park. And then all of our like stuff is kind of in the middle of that. And um, there's a lot of times I'm just here all the time but I really I love it it's like my favorite thing and then working with my spouse you know to get back to the initial question I love he was never here and now he's here and I get to see him all the time and our desks like I can turn and look at him and I can ask him questions and I I 100% love it I think it's so fun um, I think our business and personal life kind of just blends like we can talk work at home we can talk personal stuff at work. Um, he is more focused than me. Like he will really like, uh, I'm on the phone and I'm like, oh no, I just have a quick question. Like, oh, no, I just want to, you know, what should we do this weekend? And, you know, so sometimes I have to kind of like try not to blur the lines so much and like focus when I'm there about doing stuff um, that's work-related. Um, but I really like having him there and it's a nice trade-off. He can go to a meeting and I'm there. I can go get something done that I need to do and he's there and we can pass off work to each other like hey I have to run out but this person's calling in like take care of this situation and um it just works really well like you know you're with someone that you totally trust it's going to get things done and um we both have the same interests like we're doing the best we can and you know we don't have to second guess if the other one's going to get something done or you know act the right way with clients like there's none of that um that you would have with your you know potential employees that you don't know very well so I think it's great. And I think Rob really likes it too. I guarantee it's his favorite. It seems like it's all encompassing. So he went from doing this to kind of all encompassing work away from the home. Now he's doing it where you're doing it together, but it does seem like it really works with your lifestyle and where you are in life and, and your community, which is wonderful. Um, can you tell me a little bit about just what that, because I know you, we talked before that you were working out of a different location before, how did it feel to come back or when you opened your, your office in Central Park and actually be um, officing in the community where you were a part of? Yeah, so we initially had an, our very first office was on um, Havana Street, but like South Havana. So like by Mississippi um, down there. So we were, so Rob got involved with a lot of Aurora things like the Aurora Chamber and um, on Havana Street Business District and all these things and like that, kind of um, area. And he really focused on building those um, connections and getting involved in those things. Um, when I came on, we opened a second office in Central Park and I was like, oh, this is my jam. Like it's Central Park. I love it here. I'm just going to be here. So we, um, we then during COVID worked from home for a bit and we were allowed to merge. So we took the Havana office and, and um, we were allowed to break that lease merged our offices so we would only be in Central Park and I really I really like it because um, Rob's still involved with the Aurora Chamber we still have different networking things we do um, you know all around the, the greater Denver area and, and different neighborhoods um, but with my kids going to school here and the different things that I had volunteered for like the um, the board of the Children's Center was in Park Hill and then um, I did a some rotary stuff for a while, the Central Park Business Association. Um, I really liked doing things in the neighborhood. Um, when I say like, I don't leave, that's true. And my doctor's here, my dentist is here. The stores I shop at are here. My fitness place is here. Like, so I love supporting local and I just naturally do it. Everything I do is like within this, you know, community area. And because I am so involved with just using uh, the services and things that are around here, I wanted to become one of them and then also, you know, promote them in what I'm doing. So if there's a festival or there's um, uh, 
just any sort of community event that's going on, I like to be a part of it. I like to donate to it. I like to sponsor it. I like to attend it. I just like to do those things. And I feel like with my kids at the ages they are of seven and nine in second and fourth grade, it's such an easy opportunity to do things because this neighborhood is so geared towards children that, you know, that won't, you know, there's a time when I won't be able to do things like that with the family. So I really try to do as much as I can. And it just kind of gravitates towards the business aspects coming into kind of like what we're doing and supporting as a family and attending. And I've loved merging those two worlds. Like everything's all encompassed, all goes together. And I really, really like that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, I wanted to ask you before we wrap up here too, or to have you talk a little bit about your move that I think a lot of people in the community have moved from the South side to the, to the North end. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah, so we had moved to um, Central Park in 2013. Um, I was seven months pregnant. We moved to a house in Eastbridge that we bought sight unseen. We bought it through a, a Zoom FaceTime like walkthrough. We bought it. Actually, I was very, very pregnant and, and someone else bid on it at the same time. And I told my husband, I was like, you buy me that house. Like you will buy this house. Like, and and he did. So, but it was just very stressful. It was like, no, we have to be there. I'm going to have my baby in Denver. So we moved into a house in Eastbridge and I love it. It was so perfect for our family. It was the perfect size. It was everything. A family, it was only a couple of years old and that family was, was moving. Um, and it was really wonderful. And our neighborhood, the North pocket of Eastbridge was so perfect. It was small and, and, lots of families, lots of little kids. Um, but it was like a house that's like for your family when you first start, I think. It was like a beginner family house, your babies. Babies fit in the rooms really well. Then I felt like we were outgrowing it, COVID happens. And I mean, I hate to always throw that in there, but it's true and we're home all the time. We've got school and work and all this stuff. So um, we weren't looking to move. And I was very adamant that I would not leave this pocket of Eastbridge. Like I would only move over a couple blocks to a bigger house. Um, and I don't think that was ever going to happen. Um, and through some people I know in the neighborhood and one of my you know, great friends is a realtor and she was like, Hey, um, I know you don't like the North end. And, Cause I was like, I'll never cross the highway. That's ridiculous. And she's like, but the house two doors down from us, the it's a new build and the buyer fell out of contract and they're not going to list it and they want to move it. And like, do you want to come see it? And I was like, sure. Cause I've looked at houses in the south side, which I love, they're gorgeous, but they're older, some of them are going to need work. I didn't want to buy a huge house and spend a ton of money and then know that I have a year or two of like remodeling ahead of me. And, and that's just, that doesn't work for me. Um, so we walked in and it, it didn't even have anything. It was like empty, but it was like being built. And I don't know what happened, but we, we were like, yes, like, yes, we want that. We love this. Like we have to live here. And it all happened very quick. It was like within three weeks, we closed on this house and we're up here and I look outside and it's all construction. It's all new houses being built. And um, I don't know what happened. I lived here for a couple of days and I love it. It's, it's where we need to be. It's got everything we want and the neighborhood is so wonderful. We've, we had a little party to, to meet neighbors and everyone's wonderful. Um, there's a lot of kids around. All the parks are new. The arsenal's right there. Like it's, it's so fun to be in the same neighborhood, but like this completely brand new part of it um, is kind of exciting. And I never envisioned us up here, but um, it's so wonderful. And now uh, Dan and I are neighbors. He's just down the street. So I love there it. There you go. Yeah. I, I, something that I'm, I'm reflecting on is I always have thought throughout my life of things kind of permanently, like we're going to live in this house forever. We I lived in two houses and um, our own two houses. One, the first one was in Commerce City right off 56. We already were north of 56 and knew we loved being right off of it. And that was um, actually close to the city, all these nice things. Uh, and then our current home, I, my wife definitely wants to stay there forever. But as I age and we do these different experiences, I realize there's so much growth that comes with these different opportunities and, and changing things up. And in our community, for sure, you just cannot go wrong with wherever you are. And there's always... Oh, yeah. um, wonderful things about every area. So I think that's really neat that you guys did there that. And I know it's pretty common for people to be doing that, I think, because of the new construction. And this is the final new construction, right? It's, it's yeah. done after this, which is wild too. 
Yeah, there's so not, not even that much really being built anymore. I mean, you, it's just a handful of blocks and that's it. I mean, there's nowhere else to go, so. Our house was built, I don't even know, I'm bad with dates, but I think it was 2019. Um, it was before COVID, a year before COVID. So I felt so lucky to get into a bigger house before COVID. But the when it was being built also, the housing had, and I guess it's the same kind of way, had been going up and up and up forever. And I'm like, it's going to crash. And just our house was one of the first ones built. We've got a KB home and they were always quick with it. And I'm like, we're going to have our house is going to be the only one out here because we're not going to finish this this neighborhood. Yeah. But that is that is not oh, no, true. I wish that there's a guy across the street, like him and a, it's like two workers. And I swear they, they, they are building this house. Like so fast. I've never seen someone work so hard. They are amazing. It's yeah. And everything's just going up. I, there's a couple plots, I guess, if you will, but that's really it. Everything's basically got a house at least started on it. Yeah. It's wonderful. I'm excited to be your neighbor. Um, we're wrapping up on our time. I never asked you the question I asked. How how do you feel about yourself being a badass? Do you consider yourself or feel like you're a badass? Um, no, I wouldn't label myself that. But when if but if someone says it, like I think, you know, yeah, I give myself credit for what I do. I think sometimes it seems like uh, I don't know. I could be like, well, I don't really do that much. And then if you really think about it, with the kids and work and I do, yes, I think I do a lot. I think um, I run the family, I help run a business. Um, and I do, I do think I'm a bit of a badass that I can get all of that accomplished um, because it'd be a lot easier to not do all of the things. But I think when I do something, it, I'm like all in and it's gonna, I'm just gonna give it my all and do it. Um, whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but it's definitely pretty, badassy of people and there's so many in this community that I am really just thankful to be a part of a group that um is considered badasses and strong women that that get things done and I'm there's so much support and and things out here that um it it's a great community to be in with with some great women yeah I agree and I just every time I do this I'm just learning more and more about all these amazing women and it just blows my mind and such a range of women who are really confident to women who should be that same level of confidence but aren't and so it's neat for me to help shine light on their stories and help push them to um to realize that they are badass so i'm glad you said yes and i always think <laughs> if you looked at it from from a different perspective what it would you know like your kids for example if they were doing all the things you were doing you'd just be thrilled and, and certainly yeah. pump them up too so I'm, I'm starting a new thing i just did it one other time but i'm gonna end with this is i want you to own being a badass yeah and i'd like you to say i'm jen mathis and i'm a badass and i'll end it at that <laughs> <laughs> i am jen mathis and i am a badass